to, about a parable teaching. This is probably going to be more teaching than preaching, but uh, sometimes they, the line between preaching and teaching is kind of vague, but uh, I want to do that, and I'm going to come to you out of Matthew, the 13th chapter. Now, I'm not going to teach on a parable, but I'm going to teach why he taught on parables, okay? So while you're turning to Matthew 13, we'll look to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you again for your goodness. Thank you for the word of God that leads and guides us into all truth. It's all about you, Lord, and it's all about souls. So help us to be mindful of our duty to you and our duty to the word and spirit of God to pay attention when the word of God is spoken so that when it hits our ears and we see it with our eyes and understand it with our hearts, it'll make sense in the walk that we have with you. So bless in every way we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Here in this particular chapter, chapter 13 of the Gospel of Matthew, there are actually seven different parables that Jesus is teaching here. I just want to read the first three verses and set the stage for those parables to be taught by Jesus Christ. It says, the same day went Jesus out of the house, I don't know which house, but the house, and sat by the seashore or seaside, and a great multitude were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he began to, and he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, okay, this parable teaching, get the picture. Jesus went to teach out of the house, went down to the seashore. We know it's probably the Sea of Galilee. That was a popular hangout spot for Christ and his disciples. He grew up in Nazareth, very short way from there. In Capernaum, that's where the temple was in Galilee. He did a lot of teaching in Capernaum. Again, right on the Sea of Galilee or right next to it. And so this ship is docked. Now, why would it be docked? Why wasn't somebody using that ship for something? Well, the fishermen that he knew, that Jesus knew, uh, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, all four of them were fishermen. But fishermen in the days that Christ uh, walked this earth, they did all their fishing at night. Did you know that? Wonder why? I guess the fish bite better at night. It's not so hot out, or I have no idea. But I do know that studying the fishing industry in the first century, they did almost all of it at night. And then when they'd come in in the morning, they parked their boats, they'd take the nets ashore, patch any holes that were in them uh, for some of the debris that maybe they ran, ran them across uh, trying to catch fish, maybe catch snag on a rock or whatever was in the lake. Um, it could have done damage to the net. So they, in the daytime, they parked a boat and they ran, if you would, a, she, a fish market to sell the fish they caught overnight and then they'd get a little shut eye and the next night go and do it all over again. Amen? Sounds monotonous, don't it? Just like my job, just like your job, day after day. It come, sometimes can be monotonous, but we still... Uh, go right on doing what we can. But here we see in Matthew the 13th chapter, these seven parables that Jesus spoke was to help those around him 
learn the truths that they could immediately get the understanding from those truths and from time to time look back at that, whether it be a story, a parable, a teaching, however they visualized what Jesus taught them from that ship as a reminder of the truth that was told by the parable that he told. A parable is just a story. It, even, it doesn't even have to be a true story. It's just a story that relates facts. Um, he said a farmer went forth to sow. I don't know if there was a, a farmer on the seashore there that decided to sow something that day or not. But everybody knows how farmers sow their crops. Right? You know how they do it, don't you? How many of you are farmers? That's what I thought. None of us. So how are we going to learn? We're going to have to go watch the farmer. You like to eat what he grows. Wouldn't you like to know how he gets it in the ground or how it happens? Well, uh, a lot of those things we'll be reminded of when he tells the story. Now, some parables are kind of short. Just a line or two if you want to read them or a sentence or two um, in that. Uh, and, and some of them, just if you want to say it, tell a tale, uh, uh, some kind of a story in that matter. Either way... They're only effective if we heed the truth that is the underlying teaching of that story or that tale or that whatever to get you to see what you need to do. I'll give you some uh, examples here. And uh, when we get the truth behind these parables or stories or whatever, they'll remind us in life's walk as we go, how they apply and make a difference in our life. Now, for example, the first one I wrote down is I've heard it from a carpenter. You're supposed to measure twice and cut once. Okay? So the next time you want something to fit, before you destroy it, double check your figures. Get measured. Make sure the hole, what you're putting in the hole, make sure that the figures and the calculation comes out right. Because if you cut it wrong, you're back to square one. You got to start all over again. So it's better to measure twice and cut once. Amen? You got to make sure your temporary analysis is correct before you take permanent measures in the things you're doing in your life. Now, we can say measure twice and cut once and think about a board that we're going to use to build whatever. And you want it to come out right, look right when you're done, do the job you're cutting it to do. There's a lot of things in your life that that principle will apply to. Measure twice before you cut once. Amen? Now, there's another one. Number two I wrote down, look before you leap. You ever heard anybody say that? Wonder why? Well, again, once your feet leave ground, gravity takes over. Now, you don't want to make a big splat on the other side of where you're headed so make sure the landing that you prepared for 
is the landing you wanted to land on. Amen? Uh, there's, I think there was an old song when I was a kid. Look before you leap, still waters run deep. Amen? Do anybody remember that? Or am I the only one that sings? That's what I thought. All right. You can actually avoid a lot of physical pain if you look before you leap. Amen? I watch people all the time, walk, you see them, I see them walk down the street and all of a sudden come to the curb, but they're staring at their phone and they don't realize that they got a, a four inch drop. Okay, so when they step out and, and they're off that curb and they stumble and drop their phone and almost get run over by a car, well, they should have looked before they leaped, amen? And a lot of those things would uh, avoid physical, mental, spiritual, emotional pain if they considered the results before they, uh, they reacted to the situation. Amen. This is even good for you to consider before you do any impulse buying. Now, you know what I mean by impulse buying? That's what you do when you go to Costco. They got them great big carts, and you're going to buy more than you need, all right, and, and a bigger quantity than you want, and you're going to go in there and, oh, that looks good. So you put it in your cart, and that's another $30. And you move on down, and before you get out of there, it's usually three, $400 that you have put in that cart on an impulse when all you went there to get was one item of whatever, you know? And you come out of there, uh, oh, well, that's impulse buying. Kroger's and all the other stores that sell that type of merchandise, do you notice how many times they change what's on the shelf? And especially the aisles, at the end of the aisles and close to the checkout counters, they always put those things that they hope because of the seasonal whatevers, oh, I needed to get that and I forgot it. Well, here it is. Impulse, buy it, you know? That's how they make extra money from you while you're out doing that. But the, what you need to look when you're at the store, remember to look before you leap. Amen? All right. Uh, that one is the one that helps me the most and has helped me for decades. All right. You ready for this? Amen. Be like a squirrel. Put away nuts for some time in the future. All right? For years, I have to admit, and I know all of you will too, if you'd be honest, Bonnie and I basically live from paycheck to paycheck. And sometimes the end of the check came before the end of the week. Amen? There was just times it was tough. And we sometimes even had to use credit. Uh, of course, if you buy something, say, oh, it's a great sale, I can't pass it up, but I don't have the money, I'm going to buy it on credit and pay it off. What time you pay the interest, you paid more than full price for it. So it wasn't a bargain at all. You would have been better off to wait till you had the money and then buy it and probably would have saved money. Amen? So we've learned the hard way to do that. Amen? And uh, I, I admonish all of you as quick as you can get out of debt. Amen. Amen. The less debt you have, the less people have control over your life. Amen. Amen. All right. Now, I realize you can't pay cash for a house. Uh, you know, 
a half million dollar home, whatever, whatever you want to buy. Uh, if you can fit it in your budget, though, and, and make monthly mortgage payments and, and, and move on with that, that's fine. Uh, and I realize a lot of cars cost more than you have in your wallet. And so you need to plan for those things and pay them off as quick as you can. I've been blessed to, to get Bonnie a new car, and it took us 13 months to pay it off. So that was good. Amen? Because they wanted to finance it for longer than the car probably would have run. Amen? So you don't want to have a bigger debt on your car in months of payment than you know the car is going to last. Amen? You get in trouble doing that. That's what they call underwater, isn't it? That's the term they use? You're, oh yeah? You're underwater when you have more, uh, you owe more on something than it's worth. Amen? So the squirrel parable was good. I learned by the squirrel to have 401k money taken out of my check before I see it. You know why that's good? See, the government does. They learned that a long time ago. They take what they want before you get any. And then at that point, you don't even worry about paying tax. Ah, I don't even pay. I don't, worry. I don't pay no tax. You, know, you ought to look at your check stub. Uh-huh. So uh, I learned that, that in back when I started doing the 401k, the company I worked for would even match. So they would give me money if I would save money. That's a deal, isn't it? Anytime somebody wants to give me money, I'm all ears. Now, most time nowadays, it's a scam, but uh, back then, it was, you may want to open an IRA, make deposits, set it aside for a rainy day, if you're planning on ever being uh, fiscally responsible for yourself and uh, have a retirement, it's going to take time for that. Amen. So you, the earlier you start, the better. Amen. I have a savings account. Amen. Whenever I get extra, my wallet gets so thick it won't fit in my pocket, I take some of that money and put it in a savings account. Amen. It's there for a rainy day. When I need some extra money for whatever, probably Christmas shopping for Bonnie, but whatever I need extra money for, I don't have to ask nobody. I can go to an ATM or go to a bank and fill out a slip and they'll hand me whatever I want out of there because I've already, as a squirrel, put it away for another day into the future. Amen? So the whole thing we need to learn is if you can't pay as you go, you better have some savings to get you over the hump when things like that happen. Uh, if you're a homeowner, there's always going to be something pop up that is, needs to be repaired, fixed, whatever. I gotta, we're going on uh, uh, a trip this week from tomorrow through Friday. We'll be back by the weekend. But uh, we've got a problem with our roof. So we called a person. We've got it set up. They're going to come and fix our roof the Monday we get home. Isn't that good? Amen. And I've already set the money aside to cover that. Ain't that cool? All right. See how that works? Well, if you live like a squirrel, you can learn that truth to pay as you go and things work out better for you. Amen. Number four, I've got do it right the first time. If you're doing a job, if it's mowing your yard, washing the windows, I don't care what it is, do it right the first time. I know as a mechanic, 
Um, when I did something for somebody, if it wasn't right, they were right back at my door knocking and wanting to get it straightened out. Amen? So I found out it's better to do it right the first time, even if it takes a little bit longer time, even if it costs a little bit more, you're better off to do it right the first time. The old saying is, if I don't have enough time to do it right the first time, where in the world am I going to find the time to do it all over again a second time? So just do what you do and do it right the first time. Amen? And number five, shortcuts are not always shortcuts. Amen? There's always a reason why the shortcuts were there, if you would, in whatever you're trying to do. When I go out to, with our neighbors, we go out occasionally with them, and they always want to go somewhere. We pick them up, or they pick us up. They want to know how to get there. I said, well, you want to know the shortcut, or do you want to know how to get there? You know, because it makes a difference. And I, I always, when we go to Hamilton, I always say, from my house to Hamilton, I know a shortcut. But invariably, there's a train on the rail tracks that stops us. So it's not a shortcut after all. Miles-wise, it might be shorter, but it probably takes longer by you count them 600 train cars that go by in front of you. Amen? And then my last one I've got is practice what you preach. Has anybody ever said that to you? Amen. Well, that is good advice. We need to make sure we practice what we preach because that will keep us honest in the truths that we do stand for. So if you teach a parable and at the end of it you say, now practice what you preach, they'll understand what you mean now. So all of these parables and many more, there's uh, quite a few of them in the Bible. I had heard once that there was um, 65. Now, some of them are... Uh, I haven't counted them. I just counted the ones in chapter 13. But some of them are repeats. They're the same but in a different gospel or whatever. Uh, and I said that one time when there was a lady here. She went home and counted them and, and called me up to tell me I was wrong. I was one number off. And so I usually don't try to, to pinpoint anything like that because I don't want anybody to have to go home and double check me and check my numbers and make sure I got it right. But in all these parables, and many of them uh, that we have heard, um, they all help us on the track with what truths we can use in our lives in all the situations that come our way. And they, once we learn those truths and practice those truths, it's easy for others to come to us and say, what should I do in this situation? Well, if I were you, I would cut or measure twice and cut once. Amen? Or I would be like a squirrel and put a few away for later on. Whatever the, the teaching would be, we need to understand those are principles that we can guide our lives back. Now, the, Jesus teaches here uh, in this particular chapter, which I stopped reading only half of verse 3, but from verse 3 down through verse 8, is the parable of the sower. Almost every one of us have probably heard it. I know I have probably even preached on it um, many different times. And of course, there's a lot in that particular parable to teach. And we talk about it uh, a lot of times. And I may even uh, 
preach on it again someday, but I'm just not going to teach the parable, but I want you to know that it's there. But go down with me to verse 9 in that chapter. Skip past that parable. And it says, Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. That's good advice. If you got ears, use them. Huh? Wow. That sounds pretty good to me. Says, uh, in other words, hearing may not be good enough. What you need to do is listen. There's a difference between hearing and listening. Amen? Then, after you listen, consider. Then after you consider, weigh out the consequences. And after you weigh out the consequences, apply the truth. And once you've applied the truth, you should be a more well-balanced person that's wiser on the subject that you lent your ear to to understand. That's the way it works. You kind of have to climb the ladder to get there. And once you're a more well-balanced, wiser person, you'll have a better testimony before those around you and you'll be able to pass that wisdom on to others that can use that uh, heads-up kind of information in their lives also. A lot of times Jesus taught these parables and he already knew them. He didn't have to teach them so he could learn them. It was for someone else to learn. And throughout the scriptures, there may be times where the, the apostles or other teachers have used those principles to teach what they needed to understand from God's word. All right, now in verse 10, the disciples stopped Jesus in this class session that he was teaching from the edge of the boat that he was sitting on onto the people that were on the seashore or on the dock or wherever they were. They stopped and said, why are you speaking and why are you teaching this class using parables? Why don't you just tell us the truth and move on? Why don't you, why do you use parables? In verse 11 and 12, Jesus answers that question. Let me read it to you. And he answered and said unto them, Because it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it was not given. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Does that make sense? Of course it does. So that's his reasoning, if you would, and he answered his disciples in that fashion because everyone can understand a story. Amen? All of you like it when I tell a joke, especially if it's a good one. The flat ones, we ignore them. But the good ones, you want to hear more about them. You understand the story, and you can even grasp the thought that that story tells and, uh, but not everybody has that ability to understand the story, and especially when we're talking in spiritual terms. A lot of times you tell a story, they'll get the story, but they won't know how to apply it to their spiritual walk with God. So the more you understand, the deeper and more effective the peril will be 
in your life and your understanding and in the practice that you walk. So let's take a quick note at this point of a parable. Let me just give you a quick, uh, on this, look at verse number four. On the wayside ground here, it says, when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside and the fowls came, devoured it up. Now all of you in your mind can picture somebody throwing out grass seed on a bare spot in their yard. How many of you ever done that besides Bonnie? Oh, sure. Shake some straw on it. And who gets the first bite? Every bird in the neighborhood. I think they have a, a, a cell phone connection that they all are on the same internet that when she's throwing out grass seed, they send it out on the internet and every bird in the town comes to eat the grass seed she's sprinkling. Amen. That's just the way it works. Amen. So if you sprinkle out the grass seed or sow the seed, cover it with straw, or another thing you can do is water it down. They don't like it when it's muddy. But the seed will grow when it gets wet on the ground. So make sure you do right by the seed because pretty soon, according to this parable, as soon as you sling that seed the birds know to come. Amen? Yeah. All right. I know we will on a boat when Julie and, and I think Mark was still with us. We went up to, um, up on Lake Erie, went out to Putin Bay. You know what I'm talking about? Man, that's for a Christian, I wouldn't recommend it too highly, but it was a nice ferry boat right across there. And before we went, I had bought a big bag of popcorn for us to eat. I didn't know how far the, how long it was going to take to get out to the island. And, you know, we're just on vacation. So we said, guess what? Mark took a handful of popcorn and saw a couple of seagulls. And he threw a handful of popcorn up in the air. Next thing you know, we had about 40 seagulls following us all the way to Putin Bay. Amen? And every once in a while, he'd throw a handful up. They'd either snatch it out of the air or land on the water to get it. They want it. It's, I see that as the same thing as what this parable teaches me about sowing the seed. Well, that's, you understand the bird issue because you probably can picture, even though you've never fed seagulls maybe, you can get the picture from what I just said we did. Now then, go with me and drop down to the 19th verse. And this is Jesus explaining that verse number four. He says, when one hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then comes that wicked one and catches away that which is sown in his heart. This is he that receives seed by the wayside. Now, as quickly as you can visualize the seagulls coming for the popcorn or the neighborhood birds coming for the grass seed, think about it. When the word of God that was sent directly to your heart, if you don't pay attention and take care of that seed, the devil's right there to impact all his birds and snatch that word right away from you so you don't get that particular truth from the parable that Jesus was teaching. The devil is right there to do it, just like the birds were in the story that we taught. 
Amen? So you can learn from the little birds, but you also have to be able to know the devil works in the same way. He wants to rob you of what you're trying to sow. Amen? So, with the spiritual understanding then, jump back up into verse number 12. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and whosoever have more abundance, but whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away, even that he has. Amen? You know why? If you don't pay attention, the devil will take it before you have a chance to grab it. Isn't that something? That's why Jesus said, I'm teaching you parables. You may not remember everything I tell you about what the devil's going to do in your life, but when I tell you about the birds, it's going to remind you, be careful, the devil works in the same pattern. Amen? He wants to do it the same way. Amen? So start with the basics. Build your understanding, just like building, if you would, a literal house. Amen? I don't know whether you guys are or house builders or not, but I wouldn't recommend building the roof first. Because then you'd have to get special jacks and jack it up and then put walls in. And then you'd have to hold them up with special jacks to put in the windows and the doors. And then you'd have to jack that up and put in a basement or the concrete. No, what do you do when you build a house? You pour the footer or the foundation or whatever you want. If you're going to have a basement, that gets put in first. And then you build on that. Amen. That's what parables will teach us that we need to do. And that way, when the house is complete and the storms come, it'll remain standing. Verse 13 says, Therefore, what's that mean? What I just read to you. Now, since I just told you that, Therefore means based on that, let's see what we got to say now. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing not and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. That's why I teach you parables. Therefore. That's what therefore means. That's one of your study words, right? Everybody knows that. So here we go. And then he goes on in verse 14 and tells us why that's so. So when he says everyone can visualize a story if it's on physical things, but the things you need in your heart and in your soul to walk with God are invisible. So you have to have a way of relating what's invisible to something that's visible to get the truth about what's going on there. Amen? Not only does a parable make sense when it's taught, but it also fulfills prophecy. Did you know that? Verse 14 and 15 tell us about Isaiah. And I'm about out of time, but I will read to you from Isaiah real quick in verse chapter 29 and verse 13. Wherefore the Lord saith, For as much as this people draw nigh to me with their mouth, and with their lips do honor me, but remove their heart from me, and their fear towards me is taught by the precepts of man. You know what Isaiah was telling us? God told Isaiah to tell us. Amen. Don't have giraffe religion. 
You know what giraffe religion is? That's where your eyes and ears are way out there, but your heart's way back there. You got to be able to make the connection between the two when the truth is being poured out. Now he says that in verse 14, you're going to see and hear, but you're not going to take the parable far enough. You'll see the literal side, but if you don't look at it in the right way, the way the Holy Spirit is giving it, you won't get the spiritual side of the parable. Amen? So Jesus says we need to understand and perceive everything that's going on when he teaches this. And verse 15 says, guess what? There's still hope. Amen. But the ball is in our court. When he teaches us a parable, it's our responsibility not only to learn the story, but learn the application of it too. So it's up to us. It's time for us to respond. Time for us to go gather the understanding we need. Time for us to practice the truths that's being taught there that we've received through this physical story and apply it in a spiritual sense. Amen? We can only be healed when our heart has understanding. Then we can be converted and that's when the healing comes according to verse 15. Amen. In verse 16 and 17, Jesus lets the followers know where the real lesson comes from. It's not just seeing the parable and not just hearing the parable, but it's acting on what you see and hear, and then you receive the understanding. So what's our obligation to the truth of a parable? Well, I've wrote down a few here that he's already touched on. You may even want to add more. Number one, you've got to listen. Number two, you've got to understand. Number three, you've got to live it. And number four, you've got to testify about it. You do that, and those things will come part of your life and part of your uh, experience with Jesus Christ, and he can heal your land through the way you get understanding from a parable. If you know anything that adds value to your life, pass it on. Let somebody else have some of that. Amen. I have people call me all the time. I had a guy call me. I wasn't even home. He called me, said my pressure washer. I sold him one, and he took it home. About an hour later, he called me, said, pressure washer, I was running, and it just stopped. I can't get it restarted. Can you come fix it? He said, no, but I'll tell you what. Pull the trigger on the wand. You know, when you pressure washer, you hold the wand and pull the trigger for the hot. Pull the trigger on the wand, let the pressure off the pump, and then see if it'll start. He called me back, and I said, LOL, what a dummy am I. Worked perfect. Okay, well, that's just because I have been there before. Amen. So when you go to start your pressure washer, you might want to pull the trigger on the wand to let the pressure off the pump so you don't have to pull all that pressure when you pull the starter rope. Isn't that easy to understand? Wow. What a parable that taught me. Amen. We can learn from others' experience. Amen. If you go out to a restaurant... And you think it is top-notch. I mean great service. Great food. Nice atmosphere. Clean, clean as it can be. When you leave there, you're probably going to tell somebody about it, aren't you? Huh? 
Well, how about that stuff? The same is true of a parable. When you apply the things of a parable to your life and they work, you don't feel bad about passing it on to someone else. Amen. If you got a good doctor, you had, a, oh, I had a bad, oh, 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 ah, eh. I went to that doctor, he cleaned it up right now. And somebody else comes to you with a bad, oh, ah, eh, ah, ah. what are you going to tell them? I went to, he cleaned it up right away. Amen? You're going to pass that information on. What about your mechanic on your car? If he does you right, saves you some money, huh? And somebody else has an issue, I'd take my car down to there. He did me right when he did. Huh? That's the way it works. Same with a plumber. Same with a roofer. Amen. You find a good one? Hang on to him. Amen. You need a painter? I know a good one. Amen. Call me. Amen. Just don't go out there and say, well, have you, do you, how many of you are on a next door neighbor website? Any of you got that where it says, the next doors, I need a good dog catcher, dog watcher. You know, and everybody in the neighborhood says, well, this one's good, this one, and I'd stay away from this one, this one. You know, well, that's one way of getting the word out by the neighborhood watch of those things because everybody's looking for a good deal. Amen. You don't have to try every restaurant in town to know which one's the best. Amen? Some of them you can smell as you go by, you know, I ain't going there. Bonnie. All right. So nonetheless, but we need to have uh, some kind of uh, conviction about the things that we do learn and how they apply to our lives because if we don't, you know what the devil's going to tell you when you're ready to go out and eat? Why don't you try that restaurant? And maybe somebody else has already tried it. Say, that's, that's no, I wouldn't eat there again for nothing. Amen? Amen. Well, I had a neighbor used to say, you skunked me once, shame on me. You skunked me twice, or shame on you. Skunked me twice, shame on me. That's another parable, isn't it? Amen. We got to be ready. You know why? The devil is a liar. He'll tell you all kinds of good solutions for your problems. He'll take care of everything if you just, well, everything he does is 100% counterfeit and 100% a lie. Amen? As Christians, we need to teach parables just like Jesus did. To those that will listen, to those that will respond, and those that want to know good things in their life, just be direct and go to the point and teach the parables Jesus taught us to teach. Amen? Now, of the seven parables in this particular chapter of Luke, the 13th chapter, Jesus took the time for two of them after he told the story, and they are the, what you might say, the longer versions of a story rather than a, a, a line or two story. He took time to briefly explain exactly what that parable meant. And that would be the parable of the sower and the one about the wheat and the tares. It's in these, that particular. So if you know those particular uh, parables, he took time to not only make sure he told the story right, but he made sure he told the interpretation of what that story means spiritually so we could apply it spiritually. Amen? And then we find that if you want to jump way ahead into verse 34 and 35, 
It says, all these things Jesus spake unto the multitude in parables. And without a parable spake he not unto them, that it might be fulfilled which is spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables, and I'll utter things which shall be kept secret from the foundation of the world. Where did he write, hear about that? How about Psalm 78? Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ear to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. Amen? So when he says, measure twice and cut once, he learned that from somebody before him, and somebody before him, and somebody before, as we pass it down, those truths apply to our lives and make things work. One thing I found out being very helpful in my walk of 47 plus years in studying the Word of God is that I have to allow the Holy Spirit to teach me what that story really means. If I do it on my own, I'll probably get it wrong. Amen? And the reason I know I'll probably get it wrong because I know there's a devil right there, just like a bird perched on a limb waiting for a seed of truth to fall my way where he can swoop down and steal it. But if the Holy Spirit writes it on my heart, it should be there to stay unless I reject it. Amen? But if I want to share all my nuggets of wisdom with whosoever, I believe it'll profit them just as much it has profited me over the years gone by. So my advice is, pass it on. Tell the story. Others may need the same help you needed. Others may have the same difficulties in their life, and you can get them to where they need to be on the right track with God. Amen? Too many try to force feed those they think they need the truth. So when you tell a story, make sure you're telling it to an audience that has ears and eyes for the truth. Amen? You know, if they don't have, they'll probably turn and come back after you. Just like the Bible says in Matthew 7 and 6, it says, if you cast your pearls before swine, they turn and rend you. They come after you. Amen. You never want to... I learned this on the farm too. Don't ever mess with a sow's piglets. Huh? She will come after you. They've got really strong jaws. Have you ever seen a sow grab a whole ear of corn, dry ear of corn, and bite it right in two? Try that sometime when you ain't got anything better to do. Amen? Call the dentist first because that is very hard to do. And a sow can do that. What if she gets a hold of your arm or your leg? Amen? You better then. You'd be happy you got a, a good mechanic or a good doctor to put it back. Amen? So don't throw your pearls before swine, Jesus taught us, because if you do, they're not going to accept the teachings that you give. Make sure their heart is ready to receive what you give them and allow the Holy Spirit to prompt you in telling those spiritual stories to other people. Amen? Don't try to take credit for that teaching because without the Holy Spirit, we'd still be totally in the dark in our own lives. Amen? 
Let Jesus talk to the hearts of those around you through the two witnesses. Who's the two witnesses? His word and his spirit. That's the two things he left behind when he left this earth to help us to be the child of God we need to be. Let the two witnesses work through you and then they can hear from the master the same way you heard from the master when he told the story to help you be on track in your spiritual walk with him. Amen? And remember, Jesus never said it'd be easy, just worth it.